Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, brought to you guys by the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at pigskinpodnet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. As you're searching for that hashtag, jump into your favorite podcast app and leave us a rate and review. It really helps us out. We would appreciate it. It is Monday, July 11th, Scott Fishbowl Day. We've all started up our Scott Fishbowl drafts, unless you were in a live draft and you already kicked yours off, or I think there's actually some live drafts going off this weekend as well. There are some next weekend. I had mine on Saturday, and we're done. So, yeah, so there's this year with him implementing the really cool concept, in my opinion, I wish I was one of the part of the live drafts. With the live drafts, not everybody kicks off today, but this is still kind of Scott Fishbowl day as most of us kick off our drafts. So we're definitely going to talk about that here in a minute. Gentlemen, how has your Monday been going for you guys? Uh, you know, I've been just uh, following the uh, 104 chat, seeing how people are doing, what uh, is playing out, and by and large, uh, it's, it's gone mostly true to form. Lots of quarterbacks in the first two or three rounds and um, first two rounds specifically. Uh, most of our people went, you know, Burrow, Herbert, uh, Kyler Murray kind of picks at the uh, 104. So. Yeah, I had my my draft kicked off today. I had picked two. Um, of course, we have a 
big summer camp, so I was doing registrations for hours. They're like, why haven't you picked? I'm like, because I'm out of time to look. Um, but I, Josh Allen went 101. I took Justin Herbert. So, um, and I have not come back up. But you're right, a lot of, lot of quarterbacks. Um, it's been interesting. I think I was just counting. We're to 20, we're sitting at 209. Only three running backs have gone so far, which feels a little weird. Yeah, I was at the 111 spot. And I was, uh, I don't really love my start. I'm, I wanted to try something different this year, and I wish I wouldn't have. I should have just stuck with my, my usual strategy and, and trying to get like, because of the third round reversal, I like to try and get one of each position and then kind of go from there. And this year I went, I was at the 111. I really wanted Kelsey, but I decided to go Jalen Hurts, and then Kelsey went right behind me. So I ended up taking Russell Wilson on my way back around in the second round. Just figured I'd grab both my quarterbacks now and then kind of see what happens. It has been, as Matt mentioned and Dennis, a lot of quarterbacks have gone. We're 16 deep at pick 11. Actually, yeah, 17 now as Kirk Cousins just went at 210. Uh, so I, I'm honestly kind of happy that I ended up taking Russell Wilson now looking at the way the board fell because Carr and Cousins would have been the guys that I kind of wanted to grab in the third round of the third round reversal. And both those guys are now gone. I'd have been very upset. So we'll see. There's still a lot of really good players. The actual only wide receivers off the board so far for us are Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson. It's like Jamar Chase is still there possibly for me at 3-2. Uh, and then running backs has just been CMC, Christian McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook. So right now I feel like I'm going to be able to get at least one stud here. But then the worst part about that is then I also have to wait a long time to get back to me because of that third round reversal. So uh, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm really excited to see how my team kind of plays out here, though. I, I do you know, like having Jalen Hurts and, and Russell Wilson. I'm guessing one of those CMC Christian McCaffrey guys was actually Jonathan Taylor, but. Yeah, sorry, did I say CMC twice? Yes, yeah, Jonathan Taylor went at, like, pick three. I was so, hoping maybe he would fall. Actually, I'm sorry, four. I forgot Austin Eckler went in the first round, too. He went at pick nine. So we we had just uh, Taylor went at six, McCaffrey at eight, Kelsey at nine, Jefferson at ten, and Cup at 11. Hertz went dropped all the way to the 211 in my draft. And let's see, Russell Wilson was at the 206. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping I, I don't want to get my hopes up because someone's gonna take him, but like I'm, I'm honestly kind of hoping maybe Jamar Chase makes it back to me. I'll feel better about my start if it's those three. I also will say, guys. If you see my face turning as red as Dennis's shirt or the Justin Fields jersey behind me, do not panic. It's just my AC is not working very well. It's 110 degrees outside right now. So I am, you know, we're playing hurt, but, you know, the best of the best, they come to play regardless, right? So I'm going to, I'm here. How hot is it in the house? Right now, my, when I, before I came and sat down, the thermostat said thir- 76 degrees. And that is like, I don't know. Like I was telling Dennis, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not trying to make this sound braggadocious. I have a fairly large house, but because of that, and it's a very old AC unit, like one side of my house, which is that way, stays very cool. Like it's 70 degrees in my room right now that I am not in. I am in my office on the complete opposite side of the house that gets like no AC because my AC unit is close to like 20 years old. So. It's not great, Bob. It's hot, but we're gonna we're gonna push through it, you know. It's because I love you guys and the fans so much, and I know you guys want to hear my analysis 
on the Cincy Kitties and the Pittsburgh Squealers. So that's who we're going to talk about today. So we're going to start talking about the AFC North, and we're going to start with those. I can't call them the Cincy Kitties. They made it to the Super Bowl, so I'll, I'll be respectful. The Cincinnati Bengals, as they finished their uh, season as the 10-7 record and, again, lost in the Super Bowl to the Los Angeles Rams. Their key departures were C.J. Uzama, who went to the Jets, and Auden Tate, who goes to the Falcons. Key additions, they bring in Hayden Hurst at tight end and Lyle Collins at offensive tackle. Key rookie, Daxton Hill, the safety, drafted. Matt, Burrow and the Bengals made the Super Bowl last year, but what can this passing game do for an encore and what does Hayden Hurst add to this offense? Yeah, I mean, I think they're still going to be good. I was fascinated. Um, the ADP currently, I guess, oh, it updated to wide receiver three. I thought it said wide receiver 13 for a minute for Jamar Chase. And I thought if that's the case, I'm going to get him. Uh, but three feels about right. Um, I actually think 12 for Higgins feels a little bit high. Boyd might be the best deal at 54 because I think he's the forgotten man. Um, you know, he won't, he won't always have the high, he doesn't have the ceiling probably of the other two and he doesn't always have these high, high games, but I think he's going to greatly outpace that. I don't know about Hayden Hurst. We saw CJ Uzama be valuable at times. I think Hayden Hurst is probably a better pass catcher. We've seen him have some good pass catching seasons. I thought it was an interesting signing. It's just a lot of balls to go around because Joe Mixon's a pretty decent pass catching running back when given a chance too. But they definitely it's a weird position to be in that Cincinnati was was so good on offense and so set they they didn't really add or lose much, and they seem like the most settled of these four teams in the AFC North going into the season, which is quite the pivot for the Bengals. Yep. The Bengals, they really just needed to reinforce their offensive line and add a couple pieces on defense. And I think they did that with Hill, um, adding him to the secondary. And then uh, I think they drafted a couple O-linemen as well. But they have all the skill position talent in the world. And and I think Hurst is going to be a sufficient tier three tight end. He's going to be in the middle of that huge second tier that goes, you know, from seven to 20. He's going to be, you know, 10 to 15, somewhere in that range. Um, and he'll have a couple games. I agree with you, Matt. Uh, Tyler Boyd is going to be the value on this team because a lot of times uh, I've seen I've been seeing a lot of stuff with Higgins and Chase both going as wide receiver ones. So they're going to be a high scoring offense, but they're also kind of efficient in comparing the two teams. I mean, Pittsburgh actually ran over 100 more plays than Cincinnati did last year. Um, and had a much higher, 7% higher um, pass-to-run ratio. Pittsburgh was almost a 60-40 ratio pass-to-run versus 53-47 for Cincinnati. Uh, that being said, Pittsburgh was nowhere near as efficient as Cincinnati. So I really like the passing game. I think the team is going to score a lot of points, and when teams are scoring points, that's good for fantasy. Uh, but I think Boyd is going to be a little bit volatile. Uh, I, I like the, I, I like the, you know, Cincinnati kind of like 
the Chargers is an offense you want to get a piece of somewhere. Yeah, I, I, for the most part, agree with that. I'm, I'm kind of out on Boyd. I just, I don't know that he's going to be like. I agree, possibly. I guess on the value part of him, he is going off the board as, as you guys mentioned, wide receiver fifty four. That, that's pretty late. And I agree that Higgins, I would not value him at wide receiver twelve. I think it would be. I would put money that he doesn't feel finish as a top 12 wide receiver in fantasy. Like, I think he's good. I think it's probably more of, would you guys agree that it's probably more, a, a more better range of his outcome is probably wide receiver 15 ish or a little right around that range compared to wide receiver 12. Like I just, I think I have him at wide receiver 17. Like I don't. Yeah. I feel like seems high. 12, 12 is his seal or is at or real close to his ceiling. Um, but that- 12 might be a ceiling if something happens to Chase. Because, yeah, because I also don't think they're going to pass as much this year. Maybe I'm wrong Mm -hmm. on that. Like, I feel like they're, they definitely want to pass the ball, and that offensive line may dictate that with if they don't improve any at all. We saw how bad Burrow got beat up and, and how often he had to get out of the pocket, get rid of the ball. I just feel like 12 is really high for Higgins. I personally would not take him there. I actually think the value is Hayden Hurst because of what you just mentioned, Dennis, like I agree with you. I think his better range of outcomes at tight end is tied in 10 to 15. Well, you're getting upwards of 10 to 15 spots baked in right there. He's going off the board is tied in 25 with an ADP of a 175.2. So you really believe that. And I do too. Like, I really think he could finish that high. You could almost just punt tight end in your draft and wait, take him later and then grab another guy with some upside. I mean, Hayden Hurst had moments. I, I, if you guys have followed this podcast for a while, a couple of years ago, I think I actually had him on my Scott Fishbowl team since we're talking about Scott Fishbowl. And it did not, oh, it was a redraft league, and it did not work out for me. Like every week I decided to sit him, he would go off. And the weeks I started him, he did not. But I do think he is a good fit for this offense because we know these teams are going to be keying in on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Now they're not going to be able to stop them completely. Both those guys are very good receivers. But I do think that they will not be afraid to use Hayden Hurst in the receiving game. And all it takes is a couple touchdowns, as we've talked about. The the separation Dennis just mentioned from tight end seven to like tight end 24 is minuscule. So if he gets some receiving touchdowns, he could be a great steal at his ADP. And I mean, Jamar Chase, just he's going to be an absolute stud this year. I, I can't... Uh, said uh, we were just talking i don't know if this was on air or off air at this point but like i really hope he falls to me right now i think i'd probably take him as my wide receiver one um unless Najee falls and i might just take Najee to get my running back i don't know i'm i'm really torn i hate scott fishbowl it makes me overthink things i love playing in it but it really stresses me out for some reason it's because everyone wants to do their redraft at the beginning of july there's no possibility anything will happen well, to change your assumptions You've got it. You've got to do it early. It's just one of those things. So, you know, it sucks if it, if you get. I happened to me. Who is it? One of my running backs got injured in like preseason game two, and I was just like, "Well, that sucks." But it is what it is. Dennis, how do we feel about Joe Mixon this year? Had a good season last year. After many of us have been talking about him for three years straight, finally has that breakout season. How do you feel about him heading into twenty twenty two season? And is there a handcuff you like for him if you do think he may be injured? Well. I, I tend to not draft thinking players are going to get injured. Um, I feel like Nick, Nixon has just – he's just as probable to be injured as any other NFL player. Um, that being said, I feel like RB1 is within his range of outcomes. 
He was, I think, RB. What was he? RB four last year. Uh, he's going off the board at RB seven. I drafted him as my RB one in the Scott Fishbowl at the three oh nine, and paired him with Jamar Chase, who I drafted at the two oh nine. Now. I think that's going to be a high-powered offense. I think Mixon is going to be the lead dog. He is not in a committee. He is not in a timeshare. He handles the running, the passing. And they'll they'll get um, Samaj P. Ryan and, and or Chris Evans, whoever they decide is going to be the guy, backing him up. There will be some, some plays for them. But I think Mixon is, you know, 275 to 300 carries and 80 to 90 targets this season. I feel like he has a real opportunity to have his best uh, season of his career. So I'm in. If I'm going to handcuff, um, I, you know, it's, it's tough. Like right now at this time of year, I'm probably not looking to handcuff him. But if we're drafting, you know, the listener league right before the season starts, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to kind of hear – news is Chris Evans really making a push because as 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 stable I guess is probably the best I could describe it as Samaj P Ryan is he's not dynamic and he doesn't run as powerful as you would like for a 230 pound back um I think P Ryan is okay but I'd I'd much rather handcuff Chris Evans to him because Evans is a lot more dynamic. Um, and I think he would provide a little more big play ability, but I'm going to wait until as late as possible in the uh, off season to, to kind of look at that strategy, because I do think, um, you know, if Mixon gets hurt, P Ryan and Evans will both get a lot of playing time. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think Joe Mixon, Finishes as an RB one again, but you know his ADP is fine. There's not a ton of value. I currently have him as running back eight in my redraft rankings. It's right about where he's going. He could finish higher. I don't think he finishes any lower than you know ten to twelve um, because I, he's involved in the passing game. He's a good runner. I think he's their primary runner. That being said, much like the other team we're about to talk about who has a running back that I would consider a running back one. I'm not even considering handcuffing him because I honestly think if he gets hurt, you're not getting anywhere near the production or value out of those guys. You'd be better off going for running backs on other teams to try to, to fill in. Yeah, I agree with that for the most part. I mean, it, it's since Samaj P Ryan is Dennis Smith. He's just, he's not exciting. And I don't know that he's really going to be able to, live up to the production or even come to like 60% of the production that Joe Mixon's going to give you if he's healthy. I do think Chris Evans is the better handcuff, but they just didn't seem to want to play him last year. Now, maybe that was because he was a rookie. Maybe you want to take a shot on him really late in your drafts. Uh, we don't have uh, – his ADP is RB74, so he's practically your last pick if you want to. You want to take a shot on him and then see if maybe he shows something. If not, you can cut him early on. I'd actually be fine with that because I do think Chris Evans is an exciting player. But I'm with you guys on Joe Mixon. He had a really good season last year. So in big play rushes last year, rushes more than 10 yards. He finished eighth in the NFL with 26. 
He was one of the leaders in rushing yards on first and 10, which kind of surprised me. Number one, I'm sure everybody could guess, was Jonathan Taylor, who finished with 982 yards on first down carries. And then Joe Mixon came in second with 788, which was 178 more than the next two players, which was Najee Harrison. Surprise, surprise. Good on Dennis for mentioning him last week because I kind of poo-pooed all over Elijah Mitchell, who had a much better season than I'm clearly giving him credit for he was also kept out there a lot. He was all out there all the time on third down. In fact, on third down percentage, he was top 20 in getting a first down for the Cincinnati Bengals with a 46.2%, meaning on third down, he got the Bengals a first down. That is extremely good for Mixon. And last but not least, he was fairly effective in the red zone as well. 39.1% of his touchdowns in the red zone ended up, or runs in the red zone ended up with a touchdown. Nine of his 23, which was 12th best in the NFL. That's a very good season. It was literally top in all of those categories outside of one where he finished 20. That's still pretty damn good in the NFL. And that was also mixed in with quarterbacks on the third down percentage. Some quarterbacks run Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, have you and whatnot. So I do think he does somewhat close eggs. I do expect this offense to be very good. Cincinnati is going to continue competing. As Dennis mentioned, they drafted some offensive linemen. This offensive line should hopefully be improved just a little bit. I am in on Joe Mixon for probably one more season, and this is it. I don't know that he is, has a great season as he did last year, but I would not. I don't think he falls out of like the top eight at worst, as long as he stays healthy. So I do like Mixon this year as well to have a fairly good season. So I'm going to correct myself. They didn't draft offensive linemen. They signed three free agents, including Lyle Collins, Ted Karras. So they kind of reworked their whole left side of their, or right side of their offensive line. All right. So the over under is interestingly set here at 10 wins. I don't know why. I feel like it should be more, but maybe the Bengals were flashing the pan last year. I'm going to go last because I'm the host and I can do that. So, Matt, why don't you go first? You're over or under. Yeah, ideally this would be a push for me because I'm with you 10. I mean, in my last record prediction, I had them going 10 and 7. Um so I guess uh, if I have to go one way or the other, I'd take the under because I feel like they're more likely to go to nine than go to 11. Um, just looking at their schedule, they were a 10 and 17 last year. I don't think they're demonstrably better, um, but the AFC is. I, I feel like they're, well, they are better. The AFC is better. I, I'm buying into Joe Burrow and what he brings to the team and sort of his swagger and his attitude. Um, I'm buying into it. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over. It's just so hard to take the over because of how good the AFC is. And I think Baltimore bounces back. We know Pittsburgh's always going to be good. Who are about to talk about uh, Cleveland's going to suck, but that's fine. There's just going to be two free wins this year. It's not like a massive thing on their record. So, I am going to take the slight over. I think they can get to 11, but that's a that's a really good number. I had to think about that for a long time. I, I don't know why. I felt like if they put it at 11, I'd easily be like, oh, they probably could do 11 or the over. But when they put it at 10, it just it really made me wonder if I'm overthinking how good the Bengals can be. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers finished 9-7-1 last year and lost in the wild card round. Their key departures, Ben Roethlisberger retired. Juju Smith-Schuster goes over to the Chiefs. James Washington to the Dallas Cowboys. Ray Ray McLeod to the 49ers. And Trey Turner to the Washington Commanders. Their key additions, they bring in Mitch Trubisky in free agency along with Miles Jack. And they draft Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, <clears throat> excuse me, and Calvin Austin. Matt, no more Big Ben. And everything we've heard is that Mitch Trubisky is clearly miles ahead from Kenny Smallhands. What happens here with the quarterbacks? And if you do expect both to get playing time, how do you think that affects the receivers? I do expect both will end up playing this season, but I think Mitch Trubisky starts. And unless he really takes off, um, I think at some point they're going to want to look at what they have, but it could end up being a little bit like Jimmy G and Trey Lance last year, where we get glimpses, you know, maybe an injury or, or maybe a game here or there. I don't think it's going to be like what we saw with, with fields where he kind of came in pretty early on and they ended up vaulting him in there in terms of receivers. You know, I think their three primary receivers are Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, and Deontay Johnson. I think that's what's going to, you know, they'll probably get some balls out to Pickens. Uh, Calvin Austin is going to be an interesting weapon, might be a returner. Deontay J- Johnson is their number one receiver, where I think he can still finish in the wide receiver two range. Uh, I am not with Chase Claypool, that he's one of the three best receivers in the NFL. Um, he might be one of the three best receivers on his team if we're limiting it to wide receivers. Um, I think you know, he finished his wide receiver 37 last year. That's probably in the range. Pittsburgh is another team, even the last couple of years with Big Ben, even the year they started out 12 or 13 and 0, they were high volume in terms of passing the ball a lot, but they weren't exactly high volume in the yardage they were putting out. They have a good running back who's going to command carries, uh, running. Uh, a good running game is going to help both their quarterback situation. I think that also plays into the philosophy of Mike Tomlin, who's been kind of a defense and we can win even if our offense isn't giving us a lot. So I, I'm still okay with Deontay Johnson, but I'm not super bullish on any of the other receivers being great starts week to week. Yeah. I, my thing is, what is Mike Tomlin's expectation going to be of the quarterback play? I, I think he looks at Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky right now and knows that, yes, they're probably better and can do more things than Ben could last year with his arm shot, but that they're not better than Ben of you know six or seven years ago. And so he's trying to figure out, will, you know, they drafted Pickett in the first round. So you've got to believe they think Pickett can be a franchise quarterback. And if that's the case, why would you wait if you think he can be the guy? Um, And they're not terribly invested in um, Mitch Trubisky. It looks like they are, uh, I I think just glancing at spot track, I think they're like, 23rd or 24th when it comes to quarterback spending. So they don't have a lot of, a ton of money invested in the quarterback position. Um, you know, Trubisky didn't get a super high, uh, high value contract. Yeah. And most of his money comes 
in the second year, which is uh, also not guaranteed. Right. And so it's, to me, I, I feel like they're, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the hard thing is, is it wouldn't surprise me if they say, look, we're going to let Kenny ride the pine and learn. And he literally just does mop up this season. Or it wouldn't surprise me if they say, you know what, we spent a first round draft pick on this guy. So we're going to play him. And he starts all 17 games. Uh, and Trubisky is a backup. I it it It's another situation where you're going to need to watch training camp and really be focused. Um, I don't think it has a huge effect on what happens with the wide receivers. And while I don't think Chase Claypool is a top three wide receiver, I think if they run him as a big slot, he could be pretty productive this year and be the wide receiver two on that team and, and get, you know, 85 or so targets, 90 targets. Um, but also with Trubisky and a rookie quarterback, they could also run Najee Harris 340 times and throw him the ball 80 times too and kind of play, uh, grind it out with, with their defense. It's a tough situation. I like Deontay Johnson. Uh, wide receiver 15 is probably the top of where I want him. If he falls a little bit, I, I'd be more into that. Um, but Friar Muth and Najee Harris are probably the two values on this team. It's the the quarterback is really going to make or break a lot of our fantasy options here. So so Kenny Pickett QB twenty eight off the board and Mitch Trubisky QB thirty one. I get people buying into Kenny Pickett as Dennis just mentioned. He's their first round pick. They expect him to be the long term answer. I don't want to give up on Mitch yet. He had two. He had one really good, one decent season in Chicago. I know people who have said things behind the scenes that no Chicago Bears personnel that said that Matt Nagy never wanted Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if that matters at the end of the day on how successful he was or wasn't, but I do like Mike Tomlin. He's one of the best coaches in the NFL, in my opinion, and I do think that he's going to help Mitch Trubisky out. Does that mean that he's going to play so good that that Kenny Pickett becomes a non-factor? Probably not. I would not be surprised if Mitch Trubisky starts most of the year. That does worry me a little bit in the fact of how good Deontay Johnson was last year. And and I know most of us know this, but I feel like he gets crapped on a lot. Last year in yards after catch, he finished 8 in the NFL with 532 yards. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. We've got a ton of Major League Baseball games going on right now. Golf, MMA, and more with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Everything and anything you need to get money. DraftKingsSportsbook.com is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet and get up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app.com. And again, use promo code TPPN at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP or 7867 in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York or visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call, text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 and up or 18 and up in Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. What, Matt, what is the one knock on Deontay Johnson that everybody talks about? Drops. Drops. Do you know where he finished in the NFL last year in drops? Last year he was really good. It was the year before that he got the Deontay drops, and I don't think anybody really was critical of his drops last year. I know some people were, including maybe someone on this podcast who may have mentioned something in a playoff game where he dropped a crucial pass. Ended up not mattering, but maybe someone had said something. His name may rhyme with Bat Mooning. I'm not sure, but he may have been a little upset on Twitter one day. However... I'm looking at roughly the top 30 because there's easily like 15 players tied at 16 here. He's not on here with up to five drop passes. You know who is on here? Chase Claypool was six, tied for fifth overall. Najee Harris was six, tied for fifth overall. On their team with drops. Deontay Johnson is not on here. Big catches. Where did he go? I know he's on here somewhere. Nope, he's not. That's Chase Claypool. We'll talk about Claypool in a minute. Deontay Johnson in targets. And this is the big thing. Last year finished tied for second with 169 with Devontae Adams. I did not realize he was targeted that much last season. Receptions inside the opponent's 10. Both him and, and Pat Fryermuth made this list both with five. Or sorry, Pat Fryermuth six, Deontay Johnson with five. First down catches on third down. Deontay Johnson 10th in the NFL with 19. He was extremely productive for this offense. I'm worried that they will not target him that much because Ben did go to him in crucial situations. As I just mentioned, first down catches on third down. It's set like every time it was third down, he was going to Deontay Johnson. I don't know that Mitch Trubisky does that. That does worry me for Deontay. He was a top 12 guy in most of these wide receiver categories. That may change with Big Ben. That's my biggest fear in having Mitch Trubisky come over and be the quarterback. I still think, as I believe, Matt, you just said, he's probably still a top 15 guy. I still think that's probably true, but he's going to continue to need the targets. Again, 169 targets last year was tied for second with Devontae Adams. That's a ton of targets. I don't know that he gets that this year. So I am a little bit worried about Deontay, and you are having to pay roughly what we expect him to finish at. He's going off the board at wide receiver 15. Claypool is 
interesting to me in the fact that Allen Robinson had a good season going down the field that one year with the Bears. And last year, while we give him a lot of crap, he was one of the top wide receivers in big catches. He finished, where did this go? He finished tied for 13th with 10, which I did not expect, mostly because Big Ben couldn't get the ball down the field. If Mitch is able to get the ball down the field, I do think we see some some kind of resurgence from Chase Claypool. So I do think you're getting a value for him there, wide receiver 45. And then obviously Pat Fryermuth is, is just a steal. Tight end 11 people, he should not be going off the board no more than tight end five, in my opinion. Like, he's going to be the guy, I think, for Mitch Trubisky, especially down there. He was one of the leaders in the opponent's 10. They're not changing that. That's not a Ben Roethlisberger. I think that's an offense thing. Tied for ninth with six targets in the red zone. Now, it's the opponent's 10. The players ahead of him, Jalen Waddell, Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, Mark Andrews, Mike Evans, and Devontae Adams. You know how many targets inside the opponent's 10 they had of more than Pat Fryermuth? One or two. That's it. So Pat Frymuth, I think, is still going to get targeted. That's Matt Canada's offense. I think he's going to target Pat Frymuth in the red zone. He is a guy I think is a massive steal here. Like, I would happily take him as tight end five off of the board. So I'm all in on Frymuth. And and as weird as this is to say, probably Claypool, because I do think he's a value at wide receiver 45. Before we move on to Najee Harris in the running game here, guys, Matt, do you want any... Are you are you interested in taking any share here of the of the rookies in a George Pickens or Calvin Austin in redraft? Not dynasty. We know that at least a lot of people look fairly highly on George Pickens in a redraft league. Are you willing to take a shot on either one of them possibly doing something this year? I probably am not. I'm not even as bullish on. So you were talking about you thought Claypool was a value. I actually have him as wide receiver 45, and I have Deontay Johnson. I went and looked at more at wide receiver 20. I just and I, I have Fryermuth at seven. Um, you know, right behind Waller, and you could probably convince me that maybe I would take him over Waller because of the opportunity in the offense. I just I think that the those guys will have big games or two, but I don't think this is going to be like, you know, four or five years ago, Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I just don't think they have it. I think it might be closer to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense where they made the Super Bowl with Jerome Bettis and rookie Ben Roethlisberger, where they had some passing weapons and some of them were okay, but passing wasn't their best feature. Yeah, I've, I've got uh, Claypool at 49 and uh, Johnson at 14. Um, so Johnson is basically going at cost right now. Um, you know, it's as far as drafting Austin or Pickens in redraft, I'm, you know, I'm probably not. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at what a 16 player, 16 to 18 with 10 starters, so six or eight bench spots i'm gonna go with something a little more proven i'm probably looking you know at jamison crowder who i i feel like is gonna have a little more opportunity on a more consistent basis and then if pickens does start to perform and break out a little bit then maybe i try to grab him off of waivers you know blow my fab on him or something but I think in redraft with short benches, I'm, I'm probably not drafting either of the rookies. 
The only one I'd be willing to take a shot on is Pickens. I mean, he's going off the board here. What is this? Wide receiver 62? Is that the redraft one, right? So wide receiver 62. I think he's going to be the outside wide receiver opposite of Claypool. I think Deontay's staying in the slot. If Claypool is not good based on what we think that, I mean, Matt and Dennis both have him lower. I don't know exactly where I have him. I probably have him close in that range in the forties. I just, I don't think he's a very good player in general. Uh, I know he had a good rookie season. I was not a fan of his. I just don't think he's an overly great player. I think Pickens could end up rising to the occasion because they're going to have to pass the ball to somebody else. And if Mitch Trubisky doesn't want to challenge the ball down the field, it might be Pickens that ends up standing out. I don't think that's going to be Miles Boykin or Anthony Miller or or Tyler Vaughn's. Maybe it's Steven Sims. I mean, he was kind of touch and go at times with Washington. Maybe he goes to Pittsburgh and kind of re- revitalizes his career in some sort. But I do think Pickens could step up. He would be like a last pick for me, though. I would not be like reaching for him in like round 11. He'd be my last pick. And it's just like I mentioned with Chris Evans earlier with the Bengals. Doesn't do anything the first couple weeks. You cut him and pick up somebody who's who's really performing on the waiver wire. I do think I, he, I'd be willing to stash him because he could come on a la a Pat Fryermuth did last year. Now, again, Fryermuth was because of an injury. But we saw that he was able to come on there. I, I would not be surprised if, if Pickens could do that for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Najee had an incredible rookie season, Matt. Does that continue again in year two? Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to feed him the ball a lot. I also think he'll end up getting a lot of pass receptions, and that was a big lion's share of his value down the stretch there. Um, I like what he does in this offense, and that's why I said I think their three primary targets are him, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryermuth. But much like I, I probably feel even more strongly about the Steelers' backfield options than I do about the Bengals, there is no one behind him of interest to me. I think if if Najee Harris went out, maybe it's a tick up for the wide receivers. There's probably some kind of grueling committee um, that comes in. You'd be better off uh, using backs from other teams. Delstein, Adrian Peterson. If not, I, do, I, I don't know why you, you think that that would make it any better. I don't. I, I actually, I have Najee as my RB too. Um, is I, I'm struggling with Jonathan Taylor because I, on one hand, I want him to be my RB1. On the other hand, so rare is it that a running back repeats as the RB1. Now, I suppose I could sell myself on the fact that Taylor would not have been the RB1 had uh, Derrick Henry not been injured. So maybe I can uh, keep keep uh, Taylor there at RB1 throughout the rest of the offseason. And I actually have Mixon as my RB4. I know that's where he finished last year, and he's going later than that. You know, Najee could – could have a hundred catches this year. And then I, I don't, I don't believe that it's out of the question that, you know, they just ride him as a workhorse. He's going into year two and they say, you know what, we're going to get five good years out of this guy and we're going to take it for all it's worth. And, you know, he could have 400 touches, 450 touches uh, because they're just like, you know, we're he's six foot one, he's 230 pounds. 
he can handle the beating. He's the best guy we got, and we're going to ride with it. Um, you know, the his ability to catch passes, you know, maybe he smartens up and goes down a little bit, but I don't think that's kind of his mentality. Um, you know, we've seen players like Zeke handle it for four, five, six years, um, and maybe Najee Harris is kind of in that vein. Uh, I'm If I'm drafting a 1QB team, and I'm picking at the 102. Najee Harris is my guy. Who'd you get? Najee Harris. All right. It's between Jamar Chase just went, and so did Kyle Pitts, who I was thinking about taking because of the tight end premium. I think he's going to have a really good season. But the more I look at it, man, like I just I feel like wide receivers are continuing to fall. I'm okay waiting on tight end, so I'm gonna take I'm taking Najee right there. I want my my RB one. It was either him or Nick Chubb, and I got to put my homerism aside. Take Najee Harris because of the receiving upside. Who, again, I, I agree with Dennis. Like, I would not be surprised if he's RB two this year either. And here's the thing: Matt just mentioned it, and I, I, I be surprised if he's RB one, honestly, because I, of the volume, I can't. But. Jonathan Taylor's a god amongst men. I will never knock him. I don't care if he's injured; he's still RB. Preach. But but I, I do I understand what you're saying because you are right. It's very hard for those guys to repeat. So history would tell you it's likely not going to be Jonathan Taylor. And so Najee should be in that discussion. I am a hundred percent guilty of the narrative that Najee Harris did more as a receiver than a running back at times. I've said that multiple times. Like dude, he's so good at receiving. He didn't do as much running big play rushes last year, tied for six with 28. He was on rushing yards on first and 10. I just mentioned earlier, Joe Mixon and Jonathan Taylor were one and two, right? Najee was three with 612. He was clearly given the ball a ton. He was also up there in first down percentage runs on third down, tied for 14th, 58.8%, 10 of 17. And he was also, this is where I think his probably biggest knock is, and maybe this improves a little bit, even, even though he still finished top 15 in the NFL in touchdown percentages on runs inside the opponents. 10, he finished tied for 14th with 33.35 of 15. I think he could get even more touchdowns, which is going to raise him up. And I would not be surprised. We saw how effective that running game was with Mitch Trubisky. And if they're not afraid to run him, I do think that will open things up. And the one thing Tomlin and Pittsburgh is not afraid to do is just continue to give the ball to one running back. It is one of the few spots that I feel like still believes in that workhorse running back role. Now, he'll be spelled. He'll come off the field. They'll put in Benny Snail or somebody else, Anthony McFarlane at some point, whoever, to kind of get a couple carries here and there. But for the most part, this offense will revolve around Najee. Outside of an injury, which I, I mean, because I, I love Najee. I don't obviously want that. Him. None of us do. Outside of that, I think he's a lock for top three. Even if Christian McCaffrey stays healthy all season, I think he will be right in that vein. So I'm all in on Najee having a really good season this year. Let's just hope that Mitch Trubisky doesn't bungle this whole offense because I am really worried that that might actually happen. How do we feel? Any 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 more thoughts on Pat Frymouth? I know we all kind of mentioned him, but I think maybe we're understating how great of a rookie season that was for him and, and possibly how good he could be at the tight end position this year. You know, it, I, I think with Fryermuth, it comes down to believing he's going to get enough opportunity. <clears throat> it's possible. 
I have him at tight end 10 right now. Um, I, I just don't know if I can move him past Goddard or Ertz or Waller or Schultz or Hawkinson. Um, you know, I, I try that when I'm ranking, I, I, I will start out at one and then I keep trying to make the case for the next guy. Should they go up? And I just, I don't believe enough in Friar Muth's opportunity to move him up past 10 yet. Maybe I'll hear some news during camp and stuff. And I think he'll be good. I think he'll have some games. Um, but I don't know yet that we're at the point where Friar Muth is going to be uh, a primary target in the uh, Steelers offense. Um, I think he gets five targets a game, maybe six. He'll, he'll, he'll have some four to five target games. He'll have some seven or eight target games. Um, and, and I think it'll leave everybody wanting for those high target games. Uh, the key for him is going to be touchdowns. And if Friar Muth can pull off touchdowns, that's going to push him from 10 up to like five where you felt more comfortable with him if he can get double-digit touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, part of what helped him last year was pretty insane efficiency. In addition to, um, in addition to the touchdowns, I mean, you he got seventy nine targets and caught sixty passes, which was a seventy six percent rate, which is pretty great. Um, I just think it's the way that they use him and the way that they use him in that offense that helps. I'm. I do actually have him over Goddard and Ertz where you don't, um, which is how I got him up to seven. I think in the case of Goddard and Ertz, they both have talent, but they're also in pass offenses that have a lot of weapons. I'm actually getting a little more nervous as we think about it about Dallas Goddard because I like the talent, but they added A.J. Brown. They have Devonta Smith. They keep talking about getting Will Sanders involved. They have Jalen Rager who – may or may not get to play. They went and signed Pascal, who even though we never are excited about him, always manages to somehow get 80 targets. Didn't you see Pascal's tweet the other day? He said, y'all think I'm just a blocker. You just wait. Well, and that's uh, – is there going to be enough balls to go around? Arizona, I mentioned before that they're not as high volume a pass offense as you think. They seem to want to get Trey McBride involved. They have Marquise Brown. They have Rondale Moore. They'll probably throw to the running backs. Pat Fryermuth, I feel like, is a safer – he and, and Harris are a safer bet to get targets than Claypool and Pickens because I don't know that they're going to have the vertical. And I still – if ever there was a team that probably would have been better served taking an offensive lineman at pick 20 and looking at a quarterback later, it was the Pittsburgh freaking Steelers because of all the – piece they have behind them. I'm still not confident they have an incredible line. And when you're worried about your line, the short and intermediate routes end up being much more favorable. Yeah, I'm with you. I just think Pittsburgh, they're always competing, right? And the stuff that we're about to talk about with this over under here, because this will be, if if we take the under, it's going to be the first time in, in his career, in his name just jumped out of my head and Mike Tomlin's career that he he would be i really i want to go back really quick i i failed deontay johnson he did have so big catches when i mentioned chase claypool was the only receiver for the pittsburgh steelers on this any catch over 25 yards 
Deontay Johnson actually finished tied 18th with nine, which was only one behind Chase Claypool, who was tied at 13th for 10th. So Deontay Johnson was also good downfield. I mentioned it earlier, though, with receptions inside the 10-yard line. Pat Fryermuth with six. He is only one of three tight ends on – I'm sorry, four tight ends on this list. Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, Pat Fryer. I'm, I'm going to name the tight ends and then we'll give the number because clearly I don't know how to count. Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, in order of the tight ends, Pat Fryermuth, Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz, Dalton Schultz, six tight ends that were in the top fifth, uh, top 20 in receptions inside the 10-yard line. Again, I think that uh, I think that Pat Fryermuth should be considered a top five tight end because I agree with what Matt was saying. I think him and Deontay are going to get a lot of work from these quarterbacks. I don't know that they'll challenge the ball down the field a lot. And when they get down in the red zone, I feel like they're going to focus in on a guy. It's going to be Najee Fryermuth. I mean, we saw it in – I'm just going to use the Cleveland game as an example – both times he had a catch in the red zone on one where he just mossed the defensive back. Then he had one in the second game toward the end of the season where it was like a legit toe touch circus catch in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. He's not this lumbering guy. I feel like a lot of people forget how good of an athlete Pat Fryermuth was because he came out with Kyle Pitts, who was a unicorn. If Kyle Pitts had not come out in that draft class last year, Pat Fryermuth would have been clear heads above anybody other, any other tight end, and he would have been talked about the way we talked about Kyle Pitts. Pat Frymuth deserves to be in that discussion. I'm with everything you guys were saying. Like, he should be up there. I'm not – I don't want Goddard with Brown coming over. It's 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 all Pat Frymuth for me. So this is going to be the big one. Mike Tomlin has not had a season below 500, and I believe he's made the playoffs in practically every season he's been there. I, I can only think of one off the top of my head he hasn't made the playoffs. There may have been more than that, but I because I, I was even thinking they didn't last year. I forgot they did make the wild card. So there's only like one year I can think of maybe Tomlin hasn't made the playoffs. He's just that damn good of a coach. They set the over under here at seven wins, meaning they are not expecting Pittsburgh to have not only which you can't be 500 anymore, right? With the new yeah. schedule, but they're not even expecting them to have a winning record. And there's actually been a lot of mocks that I've seen lately that have them picking with inside the top 10. So a lot of people are expecting Pittsburgh to be bad this year. I'll go first since I went last on Cincinnati. I'm going to take the over. And I know this may sound crazy. I just believe in Mike Tomlin. That defense is going to be good. I know the AFC is loaded. So is the AFC North. Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. But we have never seen Mike Tomlin. And Jacoby Brissett. They are not. They do not deserve to be in that discussion. We'll have to talk. We have to unbearably talk about them for twenty minutes on Friday. I don't want to talk about them at all today. So right now, I do think that Pittsburgh is still because of that defense and the way they do play offense. Like Pittsburgh's not afraid to hand the ball off a ton and just play great defense. We've seen them do it with Mason Rudolph, which is kind of where I'm confused when everybody's like, oh, well, he has a bad quarterback. Do y'all not remember the year he had Mason Rudolph and still got to the playoffs? Mike Tomlin is a great coach. He knows how to coach the game. Matt Canada is a good enough offensive coordinator that I still think they're going to be in the playoff hunt. I just can't imagine them not having at least eight wins, so I'm taking the over. All right, you sold me. I was... I probably, if it was seven and a half, I, I might take the under. Um, but at 
seven. Uh, I think I can. I think I can buy what you're selling. Eight wins. I'll take the over. Yeah, I was going to take the over too. I think eight or nine wins is probably where they're at. I'm trying to pull up their schedule really quick to see how bad of a decision this was here. So let's just let's just let's just for fun, we're gonna go through a a schedule game here. Is that August 13th? That's not. That's preseason. Here we go. Cincinnati loss. Okay, we'll give them a loss there. Sure, sure, sure. New England win. Win. Cleveland. That's a win. It's at home and it's Cleveland. All right, so we got one win. New York Jets. That's a win. Buffalo probably a loss. Tampa Bay. Probably lost. lost. Well, Miami? actually, they were at home. I I think when I was picking, no, I picked yeah, they them. are at home. Yes, they I are. picked them to win. Okay, so I'll take that. So that's four wins right there, right? One, two, yeah. Miami, wait, wait, that's I'll a do win. It the other way for you. I'll take a win. I'll take the win on Miami. Philly, that's gonna be close. That's at Lincoln nah. Financial. I'll give them a loss there. Cincinnati in Pittsburgh. Nah. No, so there was that five wins, four losses. Atlanta, that's a win. So we're already at six. Oh, Baltimore. That's uh, probably a loss. Yeah. Carolina, that's a win. Ravens at home, we gave them a loss the first time. That's it's going to be this. So the Ravens game is going to be the swing game because the last no. game is Cleveland. That's a win. So right now, that's nine, right? Eight, eight. So we're right. We just gave them eight. So that Baltimore game is going to be the swing game right there. Man, that was a lot tougher. I really thought we were going to hit like nine and be like, yeah, see, we should have taken the over easily. Now I'm not feeling so great about it. I mean, if they split with the Ravens, which is not beyond possibility, yeah. but, you know, they could split with Cincinnati too. That's not yeah. out of the realm yeah. of possibility. They always win one or two games where you're like, oh, they're about to get waxed. But they also always lose one or two games where you're like, oh, they're going to kill the Jaguars. Yeah, but that, I think I feel like that's because of Big Ben because he's he was he's very much a gunslinger. Mitch ain't doing that. They're not going to trust Mitch. It's going to be hand the ball off to Najee and let's see what happens. So maybe you're right. I don't know. We're we're obviously close, right? We gave him eight wins. That Baltimore game is going to be the swing game right there. So. That will do it, though, for us today. We will be back on Friday to discuss the um, – we have to talk about the Cleveland Browns, I guess, and the Baltimore Ravens. The Cleveland uh, Browns and the former Cleveland Browns. Yeah, yeah. I might, I might become a Baltimore Ravens fan after all this stuff going on. Nah, I could, oh, it'd go. be a disgrace to my – my dad would disown me and so would the rest of my family. You'd be so. better off becoming a Cowboys fan and just say – Oh, God, no. I'd rather just not be a yeah. fan of the NFL in general. We'll just no, 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 no. But that will do it for us today, everybody. If you are participating in Scott Fishbowl, can enjoy the rest of your drafts. We'll probably talk a little bit more about that on Friday. Hopefully, we're we're fairly at least Matt and myself are fairly deep in ours. As Dennis has already finished his, and we'll talk to you guys well, again. fairly deep. Still in the second round. Still a two hundred nine friends. Well, yeah, it'll, it'll happen sooner than you think. I'm sure. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. God.